This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher. I know people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. Maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and give you a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are we going? Ah, I'm doing very well, thank you. Hey, uh, stick around for a special treat at the end of the show. Uh, you will hear some of Thomas's new poetry gear that he's, he's got going on. Um, it's an absolute banger. I played it over the top of Born Slippy by Underworld. Um, that's just a, a serving suggestion, though. You don't have to do that. You can have it straight. Uh, Thomas, just, what is just it? Just to be clear, it's not it's not my poetry. <laughs> this, the one we're looking at is 150 years old. Oh, it's a per- Born Slippy, can I say, then, is the perfect accompaniment. Timeless. Born <laughs> Slippy in G major. <laughs> uh, so stick around at the end if you're interested in hearing some of it. Uh, and then don't forget you can... Uh, you can find it at libraryof.love uh, is where you'll find the full series that you can purchase just in time for Christmas. But Thomas, massive show coming up as always. Uh, Australia won the Cricket World Cup, but it seems we might be the England of the Economics World Cup. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit of shade there. Shops open till midnight, people queuing up at the front door on Boxing Day after you went a little too hard on the Christmas cheer are we really surprised that retailers aren't looking forward to Christmas? And have you ever thought about adding a backing track to your next job application? Well, one company is insisting on it. But first, Thomas, this is a little joke. Mm. How do you fire a tech CEO? How? Press Control Altman Delete. Oh. Uh, big shakeup in tech over the weekend, Thomas. Uh, what happened? Yeah, Sam Altman got fired. So Sam Altman, being the founder and CEO of OpenAI, OpenAI being the uh, company that launched the Behemoth Chat GPT. Yeah. So big story. Mm. Um, not clear what's happening exactly. I mean, he only got fired at least. Like the the previous kind of big tech superstar, uh, SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, yes. he got 100 years jail. <laughs> so <Yeah>. in, terms of, <laughs> in terms of exiting yeah. a company <laughs> after really <laughs> dominating, getting fired is not the worst result. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, it's, Sam Altman's, I think, is the real deal and he's had like had a long career like he's only 38 and ceo of open ai but he was the founder of y combinator which was like a famous silicon valley startup yeah 
Um, so he's got some serious runs on the board and had, had become really the, the public face of chat GPT. Mm. Almost the public face of AI. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. the non-AI yeah, generated definitely. public face. I mean, there was other... <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of other faces, obviously. <laughs> but, but his was the, the public, the real face of AI. Yeah, yeah, he was. So it's, it's, it's a big story that, that he's gone. So why did he get fired? Well, we don't really know. The board released a statement saying uh, his departure follows a deliberative review process mm. by the board, which concluded that he was not consistently candid in his communications with the board. Okay, that'll do it. Hindering the board's ability to exercise its responsibilities. The board no longer has confidence in his ability to continue leading OpenAI. Apparently his termination letter was really good. You could hardly tell it wasn't written by a human. (laughs) Act as if you are the board of (laughs) OpenAI. Uh, right. Yeah. So every, everyone's wondering what that means that he was not consistently candid, mm. which seems to suggest he was lying about some stuff. Mm. But then everyone's like, well, what What was it? Why was the board not okay with it? Yeah, a bit of speculation. Okay. So it's interesting. Like I, I've got two things for you. I've got like the leading theory and I've got the most juicy theory. Oh, good. About why he's gone. Okay. Um. So the the leading theory, so the kind of the thing to step back and understand is that open AI is it has a weird structure. It's run by a not for profit, mm. and then the not not for profit controls open AI global, which is the for profit entity. Oh, well, it has it, ha- it has a cap profit um, model, so investors can only ever get back a hundred times what they put in. Oh, that's still not bad. <laughs> still not bad, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Microsoft's like not having that because I can I could understand if investors were upset like when they found out that it was a not for profit but <laughs> that already invested in like, how's profits looking no no we're a we're a not for profit <laughs> you <Yeah>, what <laughs> yeah yeah no this is just a this is a philanthropic venture we <laughs> Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. So, it has this, had this little weird structure and, and it was sort of set up, it was set up in 2015 with like mm. a whole big na- name to big techs. So it was Altman, Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, Amazon Web Services was involved, Infosys, Peter Thiel, and Elon Musk were all part of the, the, the founders in 2015 and set it up as a not for profit. And the idea is like, you know, we want to ensure artificial general intelligence benefits all of humanity. That was lit- written into the, the mission statement. And it's sort of what, like, created this sort of, like, good vibes around open AI. It's like, oh, yeah, like, they're potentially scraping all of humanity, co- all the copyrighted material to train their language models, but they're nice guys. They're doing this for a good reason. Friendly robots. Friendly, ro- yeah, friendly robot. Mm. But then, yeah, so then, but then they realized that that kind of wasn't going to work because they needed a lot of capital to do all this training. It's a very capital intensive business. So, and investors aren't going to get on board unless there's a profit motive. And so they created OpenAI Global, which is controlled by the not for profit, but has this cap profit model. Um, but still, it's, it's run by OpenAI. And, and, every, and this, so there was a bit of a thing we were looking at, this, like, you know, Microsoft's involved to the tune of like 13 billion US. Mm. And saying like, is Microsoft going to be okay with the future of the company and the direction of the company being controlled by this not-for-profit, which can can really just go over the top of of, of Microsoft? So, so this is the other thing. So Microsoft had no idea that Sam Altman got got booted. 
Right. And apparently, apparently the the CEO is furious mm. and blindsided and furious was how the AFR was reporting it. So this is a developing story. We're recording on Monday, the twentieth of November. Um, I'm reading things already today that Sam Altman's back in the building and this is mm. all going to go pear shaped and he's going to turf the board um, mm. in like a in like a reverse backhand coup. Um, mm. So yeah, this is this could all be changed by the time you hear this whenever you listen to mm. it but there's just something worth noting so that's mm. so what are your theories then you said you had a leading oh, theory yeah. and then well the first the first one is he's doing some kind of deal with microsoft to sort of like extract extract the global for-profit version from under the control of the not-for-profit right because and microsoft you know normally if you're you own 49 percent of the company you get a seat on the board or you get to you get to appoint directors to the board yeah. Microsoft had no no right to that and so it was completely blindsided by this, which is kind of like gets to the point of why it was a problematic structure. But Altman's also on the board and he wasn't even invited to the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> which you can't, you can understand. But at yeah. the same time, it's like, well, no, we've got a board, right? The board made a decision, but mm. the board sounds like they made the decision without inviting one of the specific members of the board mm. who the decision was about. Yeah. So that's how he ended up on the outer and then on the extreme outer. Um, mm. Right. So the leading theory is that well, that, that, that he, Altman was doing some kind of deal with Microsoft to to like to circumvent this kind of right. control structure, and then the board found out and went, "Oi, that's not really what we're about, and we don't want to be cut out of things." So you're fired. And what's the what's the juicy theory that so you mentioned? The oh, juicy version in this one. Yeah, the juicy version, and I'm just this is me just making this up. So okay. Um, you know, take take it as you will, but mm. the the not for the the charter effectively of the, of the not for profit has in it the the goal of attaining artificial general intelligence that they, as they define it can outperform humans at most economically valuable work. Once it achieves that, once it achieves artificial general intelligence, and artificial general intelligence is when is like human level intelligence. So mm. it's like one, it's pretty vague. Two, not a particularly high bar. But once it once it achieves human level intelligence, then the the not for profit then takes over all the IP generated by uh, OpenAI Global, right? Which then would effectively cut Microsoft uh, out of everything. Okay, right, and that's, so Microsoft. That's why Microsoft's pretty upset about mm. Altman being booted because they asked Bing GPT what this looks like in ten years, yeah, and Bing few, said yeah. it's bad. Yeah, got to get, get Sam back. Well, I mean, that's that's the other piece of the puzzle. Bing went down for twelve hours on like around the same time. So it's, <laughs> Bing was in a board meeting with the other members. <laughs> All right, Thomas. Turns out Australia is not winning at economy. What's going on? Yeah, there's a few, there's three separate reports which are from global bodies that uh, have Australia running last or. Hmm worst yeah it's not where we want to be no it's not it's or is not. it does it matter uh it's no it's i mean it's not no it's not good none of those things right. are good okay yeah yeah so the first the first is around inflation so we got u.s inflation last week uh came in softer than expected at 3.2 percent so that's coming down quite quickly and quite nicely like that's actually not far off target now so u.s is going to be pretty happy with that same as the eurozone's down to 2.9%, so 
that's a good result. And even Britain's down to 4.6%. Yeah, right, because they were at like 4, 47% or something at one point. Uh, not that high, but no, yeah. No, not that high. They, but they've gone to double digits, I think. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, so Australia at 5.4% lagging the world with inflation. But then The Economist came out, Economist magazine, and said ranked Australia number one for entrenched inflation. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So entrenched inflation is is a measure they've made up, but they add CPI plus CPI expectations for twelve months going forward, hmm. plus uh, Google search behavior. I don't know what they're, how they're doing that, but that's they're including that one. Maybe they're just checking for results for entrenched inflation. Just yeah, trying to um, understand. As, as, as it spreads through the economic community, as you mentioned, it's a term that we just made up. So Yeah, it's not householders searching for, how do I get rid of inflation? <laughs> yeah. A few other things. But yes, in, yeah, inflation dispersion too, but like how wide it is. So like in the CPI basket, it's a very mm. broad base. Like everything's going up more so than, mm. you know, like I don't know what it is, but 80% of things are going up. Whereas in other countries, they've got inflation, but only 60% of things are going up or something. Yeah. So, yeah, number one in the world, apparently, ahead hmm. of Britain, Germany, and Canada. So, what do we do? <sighs> I don't know if you do anything about that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just maintain, maintain this holding pattern that I've been in since I was born. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I think. <laughs> Don't underestimate me, Thomas. All my life, I've had knockers like you telling me I can't influence inflation. <laughs> you just watch me. Uh, this is that big brother thing all over again. All right. No, you, you do it. I can't believe in you. You could take on inflation. Uh, okay. So that's not good. We got, yeah, we got chunky inflation. I think part of that's the energy story. We had big energy spike. Part of it's rent. Um, that's sort of, yeah, driving things as well. So... Yeah, okay. not great. Um, the other thing that came out from the OECD saying they looked at uh, household income, real household income per capita, so mm. per person, and uh, we're down 5.1%, which is the biggest fall across the OECD in, yeah, in the past 12 months. Real income's fallen 5.1%, biggest fall in the OECD. Uh, in contrast to the OECD as a whole, average living standards increased 2.6%. And even like US is up three and a half, UK up two point two, so we're we're that's a that's a big decline. We're now yeah, real incomes are falling and falling quickly. Mm. So noting that I, I I was willing to help and I can't, mm. I'm now shifting to who do we blame for this? You blame yeah. Is it the RBA? Is it the uh, government? I don't. Is it COVID still? <laughs> surely that's surely that's only got so many legs before. We- <laughs> Yeah. I think, I mean, you look at the components, it's real incomes per capita. So real is about inflation. So infla- inflation's high. So that's, that's dragging on incomes. So that's part of it. So we've got higher than, higher than average inflation globally. Incomes yeah. are also growing very slow. Wage price index came out last week, growing at 4%. That's very soft. Not very mm. soft. It's soft given how high inflation is. It still means incomes are going backwards. Uh, and then you've got per capita and we've had, you know, over the past 12 months, big Im- immigration intake and that sort of makes all your per capita numbers worse typically. Mm. So they're the three components. De- yeah, Deloitte saying that about, yeah, about a third of that decline that we saw over the past 12 months, Deloitte Access Economics lead partner Pradeep Phillips said about, yeah, a third of that comes from the population growth. Okay. So they're the three factors which, yeah, so and we have higher than, higher than average inflation, lower than average wage gains, 
globally and then higher than average in, uh, immigration intake compared to the rest of the world. So all of those things combined to give us the worst real income, household income per capita result in the OECD. Right. Oh, well, looks like we are all moving to New Zealand. Yeah. Well, Spain. Well, do we apparently. have any data on them? Spain. Spain. Is Spain that where we're off to? Number one, 6%. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Spain's doing well. Well, they won the Women's World Cup. Uh, See, it all comes back to sport. Sport, yes. Uh, all right, let's take a break here. We'll get a word from this week's sponsor and be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. You can send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or via the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. If you have been listening to the buy or sell series I've been doing over on Equity Mates Investing Podcast, uh, I'd love to hear what you thought of it. So uh, get in touch, send us an email uh, through cve at equitymates.com. Uh, Thomas. Retailers are bracing for a rough Christmas. Uh, what's happening? Why, yeah. why are they not as excited as we all are for Christmas? Yeah, I don't, this is an interesting one. So there's a survey put out by the Australian Retailers Association in collaboration with Roy Morgan. Mm. shows that 30% of shoppers will cut their Christmas gifting budgets this year. Mm. Yeah, average gifting spend is tipped to fall from $700 in 2022 down to $646 per person. Per person? $646 per person. That's what, they, that's what they're saying. Maybe that's per household. That's outrageous. Per household, per person. If that's the average, then my, maybe my kids do have a reason to complain about their <laughs> gifts. <laughs> <laughs> I still think yeah. that they could just appreciate a new toothbrush that yeah. Santa got. But that's a lot. $646 per person. I guess overall, yeah. once you've, if you're in a family of four, you buy three gifts you know or more 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 than one gift usually per person that still seems high yeah, average, yeah it's not the median it's the average so if you have big spenders in there the one percent buying one percent buying, buying, buying their significant other a new rolex for the for january <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> so i don't know so i better look i look at this and think like 
like they're saying they're selling this as a bad news story. Um, say many Australians are under significant financial pressure. The, their Christmas gifting behavior will reflect this. Mm. But you got thirty percent of shoppers cutting their budgets. Sixty one percent are just are holding at last year's level, and then nine percent intend to spend more. Mm. It's like. But like that feels like kind of right. like a normal year, right? Like it also feels like way more people than I would have given credit for are planning yeah. their Christmas spend. Yeah, I know. Like down to the dollar. <laughs> down to the dollar. How much are you planning on spending on Christmas? Ah, oh, six hundred forty-six dollars. Yeah. I reckon yeah. will do me this year. No, I get everyone. Like I'm terrible at budgeting. I just I'm, I'm shocking at it, yeah. and I just run out of money all the time. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like. Surprisingly, large number of people are putting a lot of thought into it. I guess they've done this; they've crafted the survey in a way that that elicits the right. Yeah, something result. like it's also like why is the AI Retailers Association wanting to tell that hard news story? I motivate people back to the shops out, out of sadness. Get them excited about <laughs> Christmas. Do my bit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, what's that? David Jones is struggling. Yeah. But I mean, this, this is but it's also this is the other interesting thing because we've got. Uh, we've had this large population growth over the past year. So while individuals are cutting back, aggregate volumes, which is what you, David Jones and so on are facing, they're holding up okay. Mm. So you've got, like you look at retail sales volumes per person, like per working age population, they're down 4.5% over the year. But total total volumes are only down 1.7%. So, so, so the retailers are getting the same money. They're getting the mm. same dollars. Just from, from, more, from people. more people. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I look, I look at, I put those two together. You've got, like, a mild decrease in Christmas spending offset by mm. large growth in the population. I think that's a, I think the retailers should do okay this, this season overall. Bit of a storm in a teacup. Yeah, that's what it seems to me. Or a storm in a festive mug. <laughs> 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 All right, Thomas, I hear that Hilton Hotels is using the Chinese Communist Party to vet job applications. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, they're having they're routing all job applications through TikTok, apparently. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, not all. Uh, just for entry level jobs. Yeah, he'll. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to be chief financial officer <laughs> yeah. at Hilton Hotels, you don't have to submit a TikTok video. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, so they're going to record a thirty to sixty second video on TikTok. Um, hmm. Yeah, and then explaining how they would go, quote, above and beyond to ensure guests have a good stay. They've then got a tag oh, yeah. at Hymie Hilton AU and use the hashtag. At Hymie Hilton, yeah. right. And use the hashtag Hymie Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, this is going to end well, isn't it? Um, so not so that sounds like not only they're doing that to vet job applicants, but they're also the social media de- or the marketing departments also got involved. They're like, oh, what are you doing? You're doing, oh, nice one. Yeah, can we get some hashtags in on yeah. that so that we get some 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 social media buzz? Right, that's that's a little icky. Yeah, they're not forward thinking at all, are they? In like, so the first ten people who don't get a job out of this, ah, there's going to be some tasty hashtags yeah, right. coming out about go get stuffed Hilton. The hashtag didn't want to work for you anyway. All this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, even after you have made your, you know, Hilton cribs. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is the other thing, right? Like, not only do you got to apply for a job, now everyone in your network knows that you're applying for for a job. Mm. We're saying, hey, how'd you go with the Hilton yeah. job? Oh. Oh, oh, you didn't get it? Oh, awkward. 
I told you you shouldn't have used that track. Yeah, right. So why are they why are they doing this? Well, I think I think one they're saying that the video app because it's customer service roles, the video is just a better way to gauge someone's personal personal skills than a cover letter is. So that's part that's of it. But they're also saying that like ChatGPT is a factor now that people everyone's using ChatGPT to write their resumes and their cover letters. The only thing it tells you is how good someone mm. for an entry level role where you're not saying oh I've got three years experience doing this and four years experience doing that, where it's just it's an entry level. A cover letter is kind of useless and doesn't tell you yeah. anything. It used to tell you how you know literate someone was and how well written they were. There's kind of almost no useful information in there anymore. Yeah, right. So they're not even writing it. But then, arguably, with the rise of deep fakes, even their TikTok mm. video might not. Yeah, be yeah, yeah. Them like <laughs> submit this like some fresh nineteen year old girl <laughs> like yeah, I just want to want to work at Hilton because I'm like all about it. <laughs> But then this seventy-five-year-old man rocks up. Hi, I'm Susie, seventy-seven. Uh, so yeah, so that's a, it was a survey. A U.S. employment agency called Resume, Resume Builder found forty-six percent of job seekers use ChatGPT now to do resumes and cover letters. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, does it though? Does it discriminate, do you think, against older people looking to land a job with Hilton who might not be Don't. so au fait with <laughs> technology platforms like TikTok? Like even if, say, an older person does manage to send a TikTok, like they're not going to have much chance landing the gig with their video of just a really close-up <laughs> shot of their ear and them saying, Hello? <laughs> Hello, is this Hilton? I don't know, Beryl. I'm not sure. It sounds like they're there. <laughs> it's, tough. it's a tough market out there. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, good luck to all those applicants out there. Uh, send us your TikTok application videos. Tag us in your video if you like. Why not get on uh, at CVE Podcast is where you'll find us on social media. Hashtag hi me CVE. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for both comedians and economists. No experience necessary. Uh, All right, that does us for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to stick around after our disclaimer and maybe an ad or two. Uh, You will hear the first uh, release of Thomas's new poetry series, which you can find at libraryof.love. So stick around for that. Uh, Otherwise, we hope to talk to you next time. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Uh, yeah, good day there. Uh, thanks for sticking around. The guy behind SNBC Comics, Zach Wienersmith, says that the key to happiness is finding what you love and getting weird about it. And for me, that's old poetry. And so 
Now I want to look at a piece, a poem from 150 years ago and tell you why I think it's really beautiful and a really amazing piece. And just to be clear, this isn't a joke. Uh, the next 10 minutes or so is literally going to be a man explaining how a beautiful poem works. So if that's not your bag, um, please jump off and find something else to listen to. But if you do like it, uh, stick around and I, I want to share something really beautiful with you. Just for the, the context for this is I've performed a lot of poetry. So it's sort of been a lot of poetry and that's been my thing. I've probably memorized maybe 200 or 300 poems, I think, something like that. And there's something that happens when you memorize a poem and there's something in the memorization process to me feels like it, it goes into your body that I feel like the the way that we memorize things, the mind is is very impressive, but like the way that rhythm lives in the body is it's a sort of a memorization tool. And I feel like you know, all ancient cultures, when that memorization happens, it's, it's an embodied experience. And so when you memorize a piece, um, you sort of imbibe it to a certain extent and it subtly shifts who you are as a person. Um, and then when you memorize beautiful things or uplifting things or inspiring things or healing things, you take in some of that healing and some of that experience. Um, and I feel like there's, a, there's an interesting journey to have with, with these poems and the sort of felt prayers of these poems. And so that's the journey that I want to do with The Crossing, and it's the journey that I'm in inviting people to come along with me on. Um, if you go over to www.libraryof.love, uh, you can join up there. I've been in a space where I've been feeling the world pretty heavily. Partly being an economist um, puts you at the coalface of shitfuckery and seeing horrible things happen in the world and feeling sad for humans and wishing that we could, we could do it better. Um, but I've been feeling it really hard personally and feeling like in this space of like, oh my God, I can't wait for the year to end. Uh, and oh my God, I hope the year doesn't start. The next year doesn't start soon. I'm not ready for it. And so like praying that there's this small window of respite somewhere in the, in around Christmas, which is always a busy time of year with kids. So it's probably not going to happen, but yeah, just feeling like, oh, I'm not, I'm not in a good space. I'm not relating to the world in a good way. Yeah, and then my friend said, well, you've got all these old poems. Well, is there something in there that you could, you could look at um, or remind yourself of to sort of get you ready? And so I thought well, that's an interesting idea to try and, try and think about. Yeah, and so that's, well, that's what this is. And this is where this journey starts um, is with a poem about self-compassion. In Buddhism, they talk about the second arrow. So you, you have the negative feeling, like whether it's fear or jealousy or anger or whatever it is, um, and that's the first arrow. But then you have the second arrow, which is the self-judgment, where you're then disappointed in yourself for feeling these negative emotions or you're ashamed of them or something. Yeah, and so I, this, is a, this is something that I'm relating to at the moment. And so like, I felt like I should start with a piece around self-compassion. And the most beautiful poem I know that speaks to that is My Own Heart Let Me More Have Pity On by Gerard Manley Hopkins. Uh, this is written about 150 years ago, so about like 1860 to 1880, something like that. Uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins was a Catholic priest. Um, he went to Oxford and then became a priest against his family's wishes and then ministered in England, Wales and Ireland. And at the time of his death, he, he's now one of the greats of English literature, total trailblazer with his, his, his style of poetry. Uh, but at the time of his death, only three people had ever read his poetry. 
and one of those was his mother. He had no expectation that anyone was going to read his poetry. He shared it with his friend, and that's, and that's how we came to know about it. 30 years after his death, his friend published a book, and then it, it became famous. But through his life, he never expected that anyone really was really going to read his poetry. And I think that gives his poetry this beautiful rawness that he sense that he's really speaking to himself because he kind of is. No one else is going to read it. Um, and he's also a man who struggled a lot with depression and with grief and with a sort of spiritual torment, like not feeling like his faith was strong enough or that he was really living his, his right life. He was a pretty a tormented character in that way. And so this piece here is, My own heart let me more have pity on. Yeah, so I'll just, I'll, just go, I'll just step through it and then I'll read the whole thing at the end. But the opening two lines are, My own heart let me more have pity on. Let me live to my sad self hereafter kind and charitable. And so the opening plea there is like, let me, let me stop beating myself up. I'm sad. Let me be sad. Let me be kind and charitable to myself. And then he says, let me not live with this tormented mind, with this tormented mind tormenting yet. And I love that's the idea of the second arrow, the tormented mind tormenting yet. I cast for comfort I can no more get by groping round my comfortless. So I cast like I fish, I'm seeking comfort, I'm groping around my comfortless, but it's a futile activity. I can't find happiness when I'm in my depression. And saying like, yeah, depression is a world unto itself. And when you're in that space, there is nothing that can bring you comfort. And yeah, I can no more get by groping around my comfortless than blind eyes in their dark can day or thirst can find thirst all in all, in all a world of wet. I really love these images that, you know, when you are in your depression or your grief or whatever it is, you know that all the things that would normally make you happy are still in the world. There's still beauty and there's still art and there's still music and there's still the people you love. Uh, but none of that is able to give you comfort. No more than blind eyes in their dark can day. So no more, no more than blind eyes can see or thirst can find thirst all in all in all the world of wet that all the world of wet there is is the ocean he was a, he hopkins wrote a lot of poetry about seafaring and he would know that often sailors would die of thirst even though they're surrounded by water um, and this is the idea that we could be surrounded by beautiful things that should be giving us comfort and joy but we're just unable to no more than a sailor can can satisfy their thirst and so what I think we have then is this really beautiful description of the way that depression can transform into despair, that, you know, we, in this world where we feel like we should, there should be joy and comfort available to us, it just feels hopeless. Uh, he then gives us five pieces of advice um, about how to, how to be with that and how to move through that. She then says, so come, myself, my poor Jack self, the jack self as opposed to the king self, so the, the higher self, so he's, he's speaking to his lower self. I do advise thee, jaded, let be, call off the dogs of thought a while elsewhere and leave your comfort root room to grow. And I think this is a beautiful statement coming from an intellectual like Hopkins was, saying like if thoughts are the problems, if you're thinking yourself into these holes, then you've just got to stop thinking and leave your comfort root room to grow. 
And I love the way that the comfort here has this organic quality. It needs room for its roots, needs that root room to grow. And it's not suddenly there. It's not, you don't have a sudden joy just suddenly come into your life from, from depression. It comes slowly and organically the way a flower grows out of the ground. But we need to give it its space to grow. We can't, we can't rush it. We need to yeah, be gentle with it. Let your joy size at God knows what to God knows when. It is not yours to know. And so again, like when, if we leave our comfort root room and let it grow, it's going to come into our life at an unexpected time. We can't force it. We can't make it happen. We've just got to let it come in its own times in its the joy itself is God knows what God not that's not a sort of a rhetorical expression the way we know I mean he's, he's playing on that rhetorical expression but saying God knows God knows what the next joy in your life will be and God knows when it will come it's not yours to know so just relax don't rush it don't freak out that it's not there now and just let it come in its own good time then he says and let those poor souls whose smiles not rung come see you in your despair and this, I think, is another idea that feels like a full century ahead of its time. Let those poor souls whose smiles not rung, so the smiles not rung from their faces, there's other souls in, in their despair, let them see you in your despair and see that as an act of charity and an act of kindness to give them that flicker of recognition at despair. And in that way, almost normalize and say like, yeah, I get it. I'm feeling that too. I give you permission to feel your despair. But then in that, also giving ourselves permission to feel despair and to and to let to not feel that we have to hide our despair from the world and be ashamed of it and keep it hidden which is itself another form of torment rather saying it's okay to to let let people see it and it's actually it's an actually actually an act of service to let people see it yes i find that a very beautiful idea of, of stepping into von, vulnerability and then he says and let these unforeseen times come rather the way the skies between pine mountains. And this is really interesting the way he uses rather there and let these unforeseen times come rather and then doesn't specify how we are seeing it. But the implication there is that when these unforeseen times, these obstacles and these troubles and these trials in our lives, we tend to treat them as tormentful things, they're, they're painful things and we get churned up about them and we see them as ne very negative and bad things, which they are in a way, but he's saying like we can also think about it another way and rather we could see them as the way the skies between pine mountains, the way the skies between the close and encroach of mountains lights a lovely mile. And there's this beautiful image he's setting up there of, of the contrast the, between pie mountains, a very interesting phrasing, pies in piebald or magpie, the, the contrast of the black and white, of, of the light and the dark. Um, and so you have the sun setting between mountains, lighting up this lovely golden road. And then you have the, the close and encroach of the dark mountains, these shadowy forces closing in on that road of sunlight. But in doing that, those dark mountains actually help accentuate and highlight the road before you. And he's saying that if we can let these, these obstacles and trials and these unforeseen times, instead of being hard, rather let them remind us of what it is we are longing for and what it is we hope for and aspire to. Uh, if we can let them be a reminder of that, then we can be in through our longing, connect to what it is that we're longing for and what, what we are hopeful for. And 
there's a certain joy there and let it remind us of, of the road where we're on and, and road where we're going and where we hope to be. We can find joy in that. Yeah, so they're the, the pieces of advice that he's offering us, but really offering himself and if the long process of many nights of sleepless nights of torment and self-despair um these are these are the lessons that he's learned and, and he wants to remind himself of uh so let me read it from the top my own heart let me more have pity on let me live to my sad self hereafter kind and charitable let me not live with this tormented mind, with this tormented mind tormenting yet. I cast for comfort I can no more get by groping round my comfortless than blind eyes in their dark can day, or thirst can find thirst all in all in all a world of wet. So come, myself, my poor Jack self, I do advise thee, Jaded, let be, call off the dogs of thought a while elsewhere, and leave your comfort root room to grow. Let your joy sighs at God knows what, to God knows when, it is not yours to know. And let those poor souls whose smiles not wrung come see you in your despair. And let these unforeseen times come rather, the way the skies between pine mountains, the way the skies between the close and encroach of mountains, lights a lovely mile. So that was My Own Heart, Let Me More Have Pity On by Gerard Manley Hopkins. Uh, that's the first poem in the journey that I'm calling The Crossing and the journey that I invite you to come along with. We'll go from there into grief next week or with the next offering. Uh, but if you want to follow along with that, yeah, sign up at www.libraryof.love. Yeah, welcome you to come along. We're looking at seven poems um, and there'll be these short talks. And at the end, I'll have you get all the poems uh, set to music, uh, which I think will be lovely. Uh, but yeah, if you want to come along, would love it. And uh, otherwise, enjoy the economics and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.